Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. All right, y'all. How was everybody? Excellent. Everybody good? Everybody awake? Yeah, listen. Um, you see what had happened. Uh, I was here yesterday in the office doing my stuff. And on Saturdays, I always come over here and I turn the air down. So on Sunday mornings, it'll be ready for us. Um, so I turned it down to 73. And I walked in this morning about, I don't know, 830. Um, and it was 79. Um, and so I thought, what's wrong? And then I saw the units out back. We're not running. And I'm not an electrician or an HVAC person. I know one thing, the air's not working. So here's what I can do for you. Two things. One, next week, we'll either have this fixed or we're meeting outside, which we're meeting outside anyway at uh, next Sunday at 930. Or two, I can get done really fast today. Is that good? I can talk fast. Some of you are like, I know, and I, I know that you know. Um, I can talk fast, and we can run through this really good today. Number two, TJ. TJ's holding up number two. He's ready to go eat lunch already. Um, so, all right, let's get started and so we can get done. And I'm sorry, I apologize. It will not happen again unless it breaks again on Saturday night or Sunday morning. And then, y'all, listen, there's just nothing we can do. Um, so, um, over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about our thought life. We've been talking about our minds. We've been talking about our thoughts. We've talked about things, um, like the enemy is out to destroy us. He does that through lies, through getting us to believe his lies instead of God's truth. Uh, we've talked about how if the enemy can't get you to believe a lie today, he will go back in your past and drag up some of your past junk that we all have in our life. Amen. Amen. Don't be ashamed of your past junk. Just know, one, we all have past junk. Two, 99% of us have present junk in our life. And three, the enemy will go back into your past to bring that back, the past, into your present. Which means if you don't handle it the right way, it can lead to regret and discouragement for today. And those are all things that the enemy will use to uh, hurt and impact your relationship, not only with God, but your relationship with your family, with friends, and your earthly relationships as well. We've also talked about how to destroy strongholds in our life, how to tear down lies that we have believed for years and years and decades. We've talked about using God's word as a weapon. We've talked about how to reframe our past, when we look back to the past, how we can see it in a different light than we did 
when we were living it. And then last week we talked about how and the necessity to forgive people that hurt us and how that starts in our mind and how it's not anything that we can do. It's a decision that we make to forgive, but it's God's power that forgives through us. Um, so we did that last week. This week, this will probably be the last week in our Thought Life series. Um, there may be a couple more, but I don't think so. I think this is the last week. Um, so what we're going to talk about today is one of the biggest deterrents to living the Christian life. One of the biggest tricks that your mind plays on you. One of the biggest lies that the enemy tells you um, to get us uh, to hurt our relationship with the Lord. And that is the emotion, the feeling of fear, worry, and anxiety. The enemy will try to implant fear in your mind. The enemy will try to implant worry in your mind. And of course, that leads to us today living with anxiety and stress throughout our whole life. Um, I remember about seven years ago, it was October the, October the 3rd, 2014, I was face-to-face with some worry and some stress and a little bit of fear. And that was the day that Callie and I brought TJ home from the hospital. He was two days old. We come bringing him into our house. I remember leaving the hospital. Here's what I remember, a couple things. One, when we left, when we were packing up our stuff in the room, the nurse came in and she said, listen, here's what you do, blah, 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 blah. And then she said these words. Before she walked out the door, she said, don't forget about each other, right? You've got an extra person in your life now. Don't forget about husband, husband, don't forget about wife. Make sure you find time to be with each other. I said, ma'am, listen, that's really good advice, and I agree with you, but that time that we spent together is what got us in here to begin with. Um, So I don't know, right, like if we want to be spending a lot of time together anymore. Um, So the nurse said, don't forget about each other. I remember us going and putting TJ in the car seat, the nurse coming outside showing us how to put the car seat in the car because we've never done that before. We didn't have a clue what we were doing. I remember driving home from Thomasville to Denton, driving about 35 miles per hour, making sure nobody was anywhere close to me in front, making sure nobody was behind me too close to me because I didn't want to have any accidents. I remember coming into the house for the first time and picking up the car seat and setting it down in our living room. And I remember our two dogs, Reggie and Chloe, going over to baby TJ, two-day-old TJ, and smelling around to see who was this person that's coming into our house. And I remember uh, telling Kelly or asking Kelly, like, what do we do now? She said, I don't know. I said, Kelly, listen, we got one goal. We take him back to the doctors in like a day or two, whatever it is. I said, we got one goal. Our goal is to keep him alive until we get to the doctor's office. Right? Like, I felt really good those two days in the hospital. You got the nurses there. You got doctors there. You got people coming and checking on you all the time. It was wonderful. I loved it. But then when we get home, it's just us. It's just the two of us. We don't know what we're doing. I don't know how old Callie was in 2014. I'm not even sure how old I was in 2014. But we were not old enough, responsible enough to take care of a human being. I do know that much. I don't know if you're ever really responsible enough. But we were a little nervous. We were worrisome, had a little fear. Our goal was to keep him alive to the next day till we got to the doctor's office. We kept the wolves out of the house. We kept the bad guys out. And I'm thankful to say that almost seven years later, this little joker is still alive. We did it. We've done good, Mom. Let's keep up the good work. 
Okay. TJ's got no emotion whatsoever. No emotion. That's the way you were as a baby, son. You're the exact same. Um, that was one of the most worrisome times of my life, is having baby TJ in our house. We didn't know what to do. I, feeding. He relies on me and mom for absolutely everything. Those of you with kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You are responsible for everything. Everything. They have to teach them one day how to use a spoon. They will teach you one day how to hook up your TV in 20 years, but do not feel bad about that because you taught them how to use a spoon, what toilet paper does, and the importance of toilet paper. So do not let them make you feel bad because you can't hook up your TV or your stereo in 25 years. Right? Yes. Okay. So we found ourselves in a worrisome moment. You ever thought about or wondered like where fear comes from? How does fear work in our brains? The answer is this. There is a little almond-shaped part of your brain called the, um, I hope I'm saying this right, called the amygdala. It's A-M-Y-G-D-A-L-A. Amygdala. The amygdala in your brain, how do you say it? Thank you. Amygdala. Amygdala. Yeah, thank you. It's not the amygdala. When I've been going over this, studying this this week, I've said aiming dollar in my mind for a whole week. Now say it one more time. Amygdala. Amygdala. Sounds Spanish. Amygdala. Okay, there's this little almond-shaped thing called the amygdala in your brain. <laughs> the amygdala is what is responsible for releasing adrenaline into your brain. It's the thing that releases your, your kind of your fight-or-flight type emotion or attitude. So in the middle of the night, say it's 2.30 at nighttime in your house, you hear something crash in your house, and you jump up, either ready to run away or ready to fight. That's the amygdala firing off in your brain, and that's producing adrenaline and emotion and worry and fear and excitement, all that stuff together, the amygdala is what causes that to release into your brain. So when that thing crashes in your, your bedroom at nighttime, you either jump up ready to run out the door and hide, or you jump up ready to go to town because it's time to go. It all comes from the amygdala. Now, here's the deal with the amygdala. The amygdala is not objective. It doesn't know whether to produce hundreds amount of adrenaline or whether to produce 3% of adrenaline. It just produces. So what does that mean for us? It means at 3 o'clock in the morning, when the amygdala starts flashing, that's a good thing if something crashes, somebody's kicking in our door at our house, right? However, if we're trying to, if I'm trying to get a hold of my wife and she's not answering the phone and she's not replying to a text, my amygdala goes off and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, something's wrong. I've got to go fix it. I've got to go find her. She's not answering. Da, 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 da. And I start worrying and start being filled with fear. That's not necessarily a good thing. Does that make sense? There's a time that the amygdala goes off and it's good. And there's a time that it goes off when it causes us problems. The amygdala has no objection. It just goes off. It just releases the adrenaline and that turns into worry and fear and excitement no matter what the case is. So my question for you today is what causes your amygdala? By the way, that is wonderful. Thank you for knowing that. I really read amygdala all week long. Listen, if y'all saw A-M-Y-G-D-A-L-A, -A, what would you think it says? Aiming dollar. 
That's the way we say it in Denton. That's the way we say it in Denton. Okay, so what causes your amygdala, amygdala, to fire off? What is it in your life when you hear or you see or you experience when your adrenaline is just pumping, when your fear starts to kick in, when worry starts to kick in? Maybe for you, it's thinking about your future. Like, what in the world am I going to do in the next 10 years of my life? I've been there thinking, how in the world am I going to do A, B, C, or D in the next 10 years? What's the next 10 years going to look like? And all of a sudden, fear creeps into my mind. My amygdala goes crazy, and I start to worry about what's going on. Maybe for you, it's losing a job. Well, the job's having cutbacks. What are we going to do? Maybe for you, it's taking care of your family. How am I going to take care of my kids? How am I going to take care of my mom and dad? My parents are aging. It's my responsibility to take care of them. That may cause you worry, may cause you fear. Maybe getting a bad report from the doctor. How many times have you or someone you know been sitting in a doctor's office and they get a call and you get a call from that person and all of a sudden your amygdala fires off and fear enters your life or worry or anxiety or stress enters your life. Maybe it's the thought of losing a loved one. Maybe it's the thought of losing a friend or losing a mom or dad or losing another family member that causes you fear or worry. Now, it's easy for us to, to say, to kind of take that worry and justify it. And we say things like, well, listen, I worry, but I worry about good stuff, right? Like I worry about how I'm going to provide for my family. That's a good thing to worry about. That's my responsibility. I've got to take care of that. That's a good thing. Or I worry about how I'm going to take care of TJ. I worry about what TJ is going to be doing in 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. That's a good worry. Let me just quickly say this, and then we'll keep going. There's a difference between worry and concern, right? I think we should be concerned about that stuff. I remember a year and a half ago when we were doing online church. You guys remember online church? Every Sunday morning, we would put our video up online. I remember one of the first ones we did when COVID was breaking out and going crazy. I remember sitting, I think I was sitting right here and sitting in front of the video camera right there. And I remember sharing through video that, um, that there's a difference between worry and concern. Worry is not scripture. Concern is scripture. Here's what I mean. We should be concerned about the virus, right? A year and a half ago, and even today, even now in 2021, we should be concerned about the virus. We should know about the virus. We should know where we can go, where we shouldn't go. We should know what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. However, what makes it dangerous and where we get ourselves in trouble is when that concern turns into worry, right? Worry is concern gone out of control. Worry is concern that controls you. Concern controls the situation. Worry controls you. Does that make sense? Worry will keep you up all hours of the night thinking about that situation. Worry makes your heart beat faster and has, takes a toll on your physical health. Concern is controlling the situation and not letting the situation control you, right? Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, three times, he tells us, do not worry. This is why worry is not scripture. He says, do not worry. Why are we not to worry? We're not to worry because we have a father, Jesus says in Matthew 6, we have a father in heaven that loves us. 
We have a Father in heaven that not only loves us, but that provides for us, that takes care of us, that is walking through life with us. We're not to worry because we have someone else that takes care of things that we should and the things that other people worry about. So worry is not a good thing. Worry in worrying for your kids or fearful for your kids is not a good thing. Concern for them, responsibility for them, taking care of them is a good thing. Jesus says, do not worry because I'm with you. Because you have a Father in heaven that can do more for you than what your worry can do. That can do more for you what your strength can do. That you take the very best part of you, God in heaven can do more for that concern and that situation than what you think that you can do by worrying about it all day and all night. There's a difference between worry and concern. And Jesus says, don't do it. Don't do it. So what we want to talk about this morning is how we can not necessarily get rid of that fear or get rid of that, um, that worry and that concern. We want to talk about what, what we're supposed to do with it. I'm going to tell you one thing. Surprisingly, or not surprisingly, but the first song we sung, it, is the exact representation of what we're going to talk about this morning, but we'll get there in a minute. But here's what Scripture says about, uh, about worry and fear. Isaiah 41.10 says this, Do not fear, for I am with you. This is God speaking. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Quick question, is there any worry in our life that could weigh down God's righteous right hand. We are told here that God will uphold us with his righteous right hand. Do you really think you staying up all hours of the night, fearful, worried about what's going to happen in the next 10 years, can weigh down God's righteous right hand? Can weigh down, can weigh down the right hand of the God of heaven, of the one that spoke everything into existence, we are told there, do not fear, for I am with you. Psalm 27.1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We talked about strongholds a couple weeks ago, how they are built in our mind and how it takes time to tear them down because they've been built out of lies over years and years and they're thick and it's hard lies that we've got to work to get through and we need God's help to do it. Here, David writes in Psalm 23, listen, the Lord is the stronghold in my life. He's the one protecting me. He's the one that is built around me. He's the one that is keeping everything else out. David says the Lord is the stronghold of his life. 2 Timothy 1 says this, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but give us power, love, and self-discipline. Y'all, there is nothing today that can catch God off guard. There is nothing today that is too strong that God can't handle. So why do we find ourselves in the middle of fear, worry, and anxiety? If we really believe these verses we just read, if we really believe that God gives us a spirit of power and love and self-discipline, if we really believe that God is a stronghold in our life, 
if we really believe that God holds us up with his righteous right hand, what do we have to be afraid of? There's one of two issues going on here. If you have fear in your life, there's one of two things going on. One, you're not trusting in the Lord, you're trusting in yourself. Because you don't have fear where you have control. Right? Like maybe you have no fear of your finances because you have a lot of money. You have a good job. You have a great paying job. You have a lot of money in the bank. Financial stuff doesn't bother you. There's no worry. There's no fear there because you have that part taken care of. Does that make sense? That's in your own strength. You're trusting in what you can do and what you have. Whereas if maybe God called you to go do something or God called you to leave a place and go somewhere else or God called you to start a ministry or God called you to go speak to somebody, then you have fear and worry there because that's out of your strength. What I want to encourage you today is that no matter how strong you are in certain areas of your life, you are not stronger than the God in heaven. You are not wiser than God in heaven. You are not all-knowing like the God in heaven. While you may have certain aspects of your life taken care of and your, your strengths in your life, you are not as strong as you think you are. Jesus calls us in Matthew 6 to trust in the Lord at all times, to trust in the Lord fully, to fully give our lives to him, not just aspects of our weakness. God's not just looking for your weakness. God wants your strength as well. Amen? God wants you. God wants your trust. God wants your faith. God wants your belief. God wants all of you because he is strong enough. He is holy enough. He is wise enough. He is all-knowing enough to take care of all of you, even the stuff that you are good at. God calls us to trust him at all times. So, what I want to give you the next 10 minutes, we're going to be done in 10 minutes, y'all, I promise, maybe even less than 10 minutes. We want to talk about how to replace, how to replace fear with praise. How to replace fear with praise. You guys remember a couple weeks ago we read uh, Philippians 4, verse 8, um, and it says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We talked about that three weeks ago, I believe. Uh, Paul says, think about those praiseworthy things. Think about those admirable things. Think about those noble things. Well, the three verses right before that speaks to our fear, speaks to our worry, and speaks to our anxiety. And it says this, Philippians 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Paul says, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard, guard your hearts and your what? Your what? Your minds in Christ Jesus. So how do we move from fear and move it to praiseworthy things? How do we move our thoughts from fearful thoughts, from worrisome thoughts, from anxiety thoughts to praiseworthy things. Number one, Paul clearly says there, as clear as he can, to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. It's important that Paul says not just to rejoice, but to rejoice in 
the Lord. We can shift from our uh, we can shift from our fearful thoughts and worrisome thoughts by simply rejoicing, praising, being thankful to the Lord for all He has done and for all He has and for all He has done for us. Um, a couple of months ago, you guys know I was laid up in on my bed, couldn't move, couldn't walk, but a couple of steps, couldn't sit up. I was just stuck. I was taking those pain pills every four hours. Callie would come back there right on that four-hour mark. She said, here, take this. And guess what? They didn't help. Um, I still couldn't get up. I still couldn't move. Um, after about three or four weeks of that, um, I remember laying in the bed one night by myself because Anna Lee was like three or four weeks old, and her and Callie were hanging out in the living room at nighttime, and I was in the bed by myself. And I remember laying there one night thinking, this stinks. Like, this is ridiculous. I've missed the birth of my girl. Um, I missed all of TJ's baseball games for that whole season. I missed a buddy of mine, my high school buddy's wedding. Um, I missed coming here on Sundays. I missed seeing you all. Um, I just missed all this stuff. Then my mind immediately went to, what if I don't get better? Like, what if it's like this forever? What if I'm laid up like this for a year, two years, three years, five years? What if I don't get to see another baseball game that TJ ever plays? What if I don't get to see Anna Lee walk? What if she's walking in the living room and I'm still stuck back here in the bedroom? Then your mind goes to, once I had, once I had surgery scheduled, you know what my mind said? What if you don't wake up, right? Like, they're going to put you to sleep. What if they give you a little too much of that medicine and you don't wake up? My mind was filled with worry, stress, fear during that two-month time. Then on September, I think it was September 15th, I remember laying there in the bed. Callie and TJ were going to one of his baseball games, and I was at home by myself, and I thought, I've had enough of this. Like, this is stupid. This is dumb. I'm done with it. I got out my notebook, laying there on the bed. I had a pile of books. I had my Bible. I had a notebook. I had a couple of waters over here because that was where I lived for two months was in our bedroom. I had everything I needed right there on the bed. Um, and I remember getting out my notebook, and I thought, I'm going to write down some good things. I'm going to write down some praiseworthy things. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to shift my mind, and I'm going to start thinking about and praising God for the good things, even in the middle of this valley that I'm facing. So here's what I wrote down. I wrote down two things. Um, number one was this. I've got some really good people in my life. I've got some really great people in my life. From mom and dad, from Callie, TJ, Callie's family, to many of you guys, to other people at Foster Street. There are people in Jamestown that I worked at, a church I worked at in Jamestown, reached out to us during that two-month two period of time. I've got some really good people in my life. You guys are part of that. I have been challenged. I was challenged during that two-month period of time to become a blessing for you because you were a blessing for me. I was also challenged during that two-month time not to just be a blessing for you, but to treat other people the way that you all have treated me. My changed my mind. My mind shifted. Oh, this stinks. It's terrible. What if, what if, what if? To man, God, thank you for the people you have put in my life. That is, that is rejoicing in the Lord. You realize, right, that you can rejoice even in the pain. 
you can rejoice even in the valley. Because we're not rejoicing what's going on around us. We're rejoicing who's with us. You guys awake? I feel like I said three things where somebody should have clapped or shouted or an amen or something, right? We're not rejoicing on what's happening around us. We're not rejoicing with what we're going through. We're rejoicing in the fact that God is with us. We're rejoicing in the fact that God is still good. I was not rejoicing that I couldn't see TJ. I was not rejoicing that I missed Annalie's first breath here on this earth. I was rejoicing that TJ is here because God has blessed me. I was rejoicing that Callie and Annalie were healthy and both of them came home the next day. They didn't have to stay two days in the hospital. They came home the next day. You can rejoice while you're in the struggle because Paul said, you're not rejoicing for the pain. You're not rejoicing for the, the valley. Your rejoice is in the Lord. Our praise, we can shift from fear to praise because God is still the same whether we're up high or low. God is still the same whether we're in the mountain and everything's great and everything's good and I'm pain-free and all the bills are paid. I've got food in the house. I've got friends and family around me. Let's rejoice. Paul says our rejoice is not about those things, but our rejoice is about God himself. So whether I'm in the valley and I'm hurt and I'm alone, nobody's with me. I'm hungry. I'm poor. I got no money. It doesn't matter because my rejoicing is for God himself, not what I am going through. Thank you. Thank you. So how do you switch from fear to praise? You realize fear is about what's happening around you. Praise is about who is with you. There is no fear with the Lord. Fear comes from the situation we're in. Praise comes from the one who is in control of that situation. Does that make sense? Fear comes from stuff we lack around us. Praise comes from the great provider that always takes care of us because he is a good father who takes care of his sons and daughters the way a good father can. Fear comes from not being able or not understanding what's happening around us. Praise comes from the one who has purpose and plans for our life, no matter if we can understand it or see it or know what's happening around us or not, because our trust, as Jesus says in Matthew 6, our trust is not in what's happening around us. It's not in me and it's not in you, but our trust is in the one who is sovereign over us all. That's how you can switch from fear to praise. We're not focused on what's around us. We're focused on God in heaven. Amen? Number two. Number two. The second thing that we need to do to switch from fear to praise. Uh, Paul says this in verse five. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Um, I really believe today that if we understood that God is with us, that God is present with us, there's nothing more that can change your life than the truth and the fact that God is with you. You know the story of Zacchaeus in the, in the Gospels. He was up in the tree. Jesus was walking by. 
uh, Jesus said, hey, bro, I'm coming to your house today. So Zacchaeus come down. Jesus went to his house. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, so he cheated people out of money. Uh, he stole money from people, all that kind of good stuff. And so while Jesus was in Zacchaeus' house, he was having a meal with Zacchaeus and maybe some of his other tax collector friends. Um, Zacchaeus stood up and said, listen, if I've cheated anybody out of any money, I'm going to repay them what I, what I owe them. I'm going to give them their money back. The Bible does not say what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. The Bible doesn't say if he like had a church service or he preached to him. It doesn't say what Jesus said. doesn't say what Jesus did. All it says is that Jesus was in Zacchaeus' house and Zacchaeus' life changed forever. The Lord's presence in your life can change you forever. I am fairly happy that the Bible doesn't tell what, what Jesus said in Zacchaeus' house because we, today, we would take it and turn it into like a five-step program. I would probably do a three-step program because I'm a three-step guy. Um, if you've been taking notes over the past couple of weeks, you know I'm a three-step guy. It doesn't say because it doesn't matter. What matters in that story is that Jesus was in the house and Zacchaeus' life changed. And that's what matters for you and I as well. Jesus is in our house. God's presence changes everything. God is with us today. We are promised the Lord's presence in Scripture. Paul says here that the Lord is near. Jesus says right before he ascended into heaven that I'm leaving you a comforter. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm leaving you somebody that will be with you forever and always. Psalm 23, you know what Psalm 23 says, right? Somebody tell me. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. We are promised in Scripture the presence of God in our life. And when God is in your life, when God is in your house, much like Zacchaeus, your life change. What does God change? God can change several things. God can change the way you see yourself. God will change the way you see other people. God will change the perspective, the way you see the situation you're going through. No longer will you have fearful thoughts because you're not focused on the situation. You're not focused on what you're lacking. You're not focused on what you don't have. You're not focused on the uncertainty. You're not focused on the fear, but you're focused on who's in your house. Notice that story about Zacchaeus. He did not focus on the other people. He was with the Lord. The presence of God changes your life. The only thing that stops God's presence in your life is you. You are the only one that cannot invite God into your life. You're the only one that can forget about God. You're the only one that can take your focus off of God and put it onto your problems. That's on us. God's not going to leave us on his own. Why? Because he loves us. He's our father. He takes care of us. He's not going to walk out. But we could do our part and take our focus off of him and put our focus on this, back on the situation. And that's where fear and worry comes from. You guys know the story. I'm going to tell the story, then I'm done. You guys know the story of um, Peter walking on water, right? You know, they were in the, uh, 
they were in the boat, and Jesus sent the disciples on ahead. And then later on that night, Jesus started walking on water, started walking towards the guys, um, and they were all scared to death. They thought that Jesus was a ghost. They thought, Who's this? this is a ghost coming to get us. He's going to take us back to the underworld or something, wherever ghosts live. I don't know. Um, and so they looked out there, and they realized that it was Jesus. And Peter says, Lord, if that is you, call me out onto the water. And Jesus says, come on. And then Peter does what? He kind of steps out of the boat and takes one step, and that foot didn't sink. And I bet Peter was like, hey, this is kind of cool. Let me try the other foot. So he takes the other foot and steps. I wonder if, wonder if Peter just did like a cannonball and just didn't go under. There's a sweet video that went viral a couple years ago of this guy doing a cannonball in a frozen pool. And he thought he was going to, like, break through the ice, but he did not. Instead, he broke through his back. <laughs> um, so I don't know how, maybe Peter, like, dove in and just didn't go, just popped back up and started walking on the water. I don't know. Anyway, Peter's walking on the water, right? You guys know the story. Peter's walking on the water. He's looking at Jesus. He's looking at his Lord. He's looking at the Messiah. He's looking at the, the King of Kings. He's looking at Jesus, and he comes walking on the water. Then the Bible says what? All of a sudden, he starts to notice what? The what? Wind. The wind. He starts to feel the wind hitting him in the face. He starts to recognize the waves are hitting him in the face. And he starts to what? Starts to drown. The Bible says immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and saved him. Why did Peter start to drown? You guys know this stuff. This is elementary Christian belief stuff. He started to drown because he was not focused on the Lord. He was focused on the situation. He forgot that the presence of the Lord was with him, and he was realizing the presence of the waves and the wind. Today, if we are serious, my friends, about getting rid of fear, if we're serious about switching fear to praise, our focus cannot be on the situation. Our focus cannot be on what we're going through. Our focus cannot be on what we're lacking. Our focus has to be on Jesus. It has to be on the presence of Almighty God is in our life. That, my friends, is a reason to praise no matter what's going on around us. No matter if it's wind, waves, whatever, if God is in the house, we have reason to praise. If God is with us, we have reason to praise. If the presence of God is in our life, we have a reason to praise. No matter if I have a lot of money or a little, no matter if my belly's full or it's not, no matter if I have a lot of friends or I'm by myself, God is with me and he is worthy of my praise. He is worthy of my worship, of my thanksgiving, simply because he is who he is, simply because he is God. The other stuff doesn't matter. Fear has no hold on me. I'm not worried about what's going on around me because I know who's with me. What the other people say about me doesn't matter because God's with me. Who my boss says that I am doesn't matter. God's with me. Whether I pay my bills or not, doesn't matter. God's with me. Don't tell the power company that, but it's the truth. It's the truth. It doesn't matter what's happening around us. What matters 
is who's with us. And that person is worthy of all of our praise because of his goodness. I told you earlier we sung about my sermon this morning where we talked about raise a hallelujah and it doesn't matter what's happening around us. I'm going to sing. I'm going to worship. I'm going to praise. No matter how high the water gets, no matter how hard the wind blows, it doesn't matter. I'm praising because God's with me. It doesn't matter the fight. I'm praising because God's with me. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm praising. Doesn't matter about the doctor. Doesn't matter about the money. Doesn't matter about the friends. Doesn't matter about the situation does not matter. I'm praising because God is with me and he is worthy of my praise at all times because he is God. He's holy. He's righteous. He's forgiving. He's loving. He is worthy of my praise today, no matter what. That's my challenge to you. You want to shift your fear to praise? Get your eyes off what's around you and get your eyes on who's with you. The Lord has promised his presence with us forever. Amen. The Lord has promised his presence with you forever. Let's stand. Alex, you got a song? Yeah. What song you got? No longer slave to fear. That's right. All right, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for today. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your word. And in your word, we see that you have promised your presence. We see that your presence changes things. We see that your presence changes our life. And God, we pray today. I pray for my friends and for my family and for myself. God, if there's anyone here going through fear, if there's anyone here who's aiming dollar is going crazy right now because of a situation that they're going through, because of a uh, bad situation, because of an uncertain situation, because of a stressful situation, God, I pray that fear will not enter our thoughts. I pray that fear will not enter our minds. But God, I pray instead your presence. God, I pray instead your word will speak to us, will speak to our hearts and speak to our minds and change our lives. God, I pray today. God, I pray today that if we find ourselves overwhelmed and engulfed by fear, God, I pray that the presence of your spirit in our lives will kick out fear will drown fear. We'll push away the fear because of who you are and because of what you have done for us. Lord, we love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.